0: Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Well, hello again, everybody. Um, I know that I've been kind of giving the direction this weekend. and like, hey, here's the announcements. I get to preach tonight to you guys, and I'm super excited. Um, you know what else I also thought is really cool? Um, is that I found out earlier this week, Pastor Aaron Calhoun was the one whose video was going to go before me. And if you were at summer camp, we actually, me and Pastor Aaron got to preach together. Um, And so I just thought that was pretty cool. He's like my preaching buddy, that guy. Um, But I don't think we know each other very well yet. I know I told you that I've grown up going to camps since I was in the womb, but like literally I was in the womb and then I was a camper, and then I was a leader, and then I was on staff, and then a leader again, and I just love camps. So I know I already told you that about me, but at camps, I would love when the guest speaker would put up a picture of their family because it made me feel like I knew them more. So I want to introduce you guys to my little family. Um, that's me and my husband, Sean, who's sitting right over here, the really handsome one, and um, And that's our little dog, Rocky. Well, he's not little. He's 90 pounds. Um, But that's our dog, Rocky. And we love him so much. Our family is growing. Like my mom shared with you guys this summer, I am having our first baby. We're having a little girl, I know. It's super fun. I almost put up an ultrasound picture for you guys, but I was like, I just want to get into the word of God. So if you want to see an ultrasound picture, you can find me later, and I will gladly show you my child's cute little nose. That's really the only thing we could see. But um, a theme like the one that's happening at this camp is not just a theme. It's like seeking God first is one of the most foundational pillars of our walk with Jesus. And I believe that this is a weekend that we prayed this before we left from our church. This is a weekend that you're not just gonna look back on and be like, wow, that was so much fun. What a good time. And then keep moving on. But that this will be a weekend that you look back on and go wow that's when my life was radically transformed by the power of Jesus and it will be a weekend that marks your life from here on forward because seeking God first is so foundational for us go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 if you don't know where it's from If you open your Bible in the middle, chances are you will find either Ecclesiastes or Proverbs. And hold on, Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs. How many of you guys know of like a Bible song and that's how you memorized all the words, the books of the Bible? Yeah, I have to sing the song every single time to know where everything is. So Ecclesiastes 3, it's in the middle of your Bible. Go ahead and turn there. And while you're turning there, this morning's message I mean, I'm a little biased because Pastor JJ is my mom, but it was so good. It was about falling in love with the word of God, understanding how it's alive, it is powerful. And so I'm encouraging you tonight, actually take God at his word that's alive and powerful. Take the notes, highlight in your Bible, underline the things, circle it, write a question down, engage with scripture tonight in a way that you have not engaged with scripture before. If you're taking notes you can write down the title as seeking god first in every season seeking god first in every season Um, i also like to engage you guys a little bit so let me see a raise of hands how many of you guys love change you really like change okay let me see another show of hands how many of you love change when you have no idea that it's coming you're blindsided by change you love to be blindsided by change Okay, we're gonna have some prayer for you later. You guys are a special group of people. I have the hardest, the hardest time with change. I'm also a very type A person. I love to plan everything out. And so I'm like this much spontaneous. It's very hard for me to be spontaneous. So change is really hard. I remember back to a couple summers ago, um, my husband and I were engaged Um, So I was getting ready to get married. I was getting ready to get a different job. And I was getting ready to move to a state where the only person I really knew was my husband. And that was super scary. That was like three huge life changes happening at the same time. Now, I have always, always dreamed of being a wife. It has been the deepest desire of my heart for my entire life you can ask my mom I literally talked about being a wife one day all of the time and man I was so excited when I was finally getting ready to become a wife because the man that I had been praying for for my entire life I had finally come to know and I knew that this was God's plan for my life and I was so oh you guys it's the best feeling I was so stinking excited but it was also really hard to prepare for that change I was single for a while and the Lord did so much in my life when I was single. And so walking into that season of change was like, okay, if the Lord did that much in my life and this is the greatest desire of my heart, how much more is he gonna do in my life from this point forward? Then leaving a place I was comfortable at and moving to a new place, where I was not really comfortable yet because I had never lived there before. It was a really hard thing to wrap my head around and I am an extrovert. And so only knowing one person, I was like, I need friends where I live. It was a hard thing to get there, but it was such a God thing. And Sean and I trusted Jesus and we obeyed him and we walked into this season that he has completely blown our minds with everything that he has done in our lives. So those are big changes. Change is also a struggle for me with little things. So I told you I'm a type A super planner girl. When I was in college, there was one weekend I remember very vividly, my friends and I were like, we're gonna take this Saturday and we're gonna go just get ahead on homework. I know you guys are in junior high and high school and you're like, homework on a Saturday? Yeah, right, wait till you get to college. I promise you that will change. So we're like, we're gonna get ahead on schoolwork. And so we wake up that morning and literally every single one of my friends was like, keep in mind, I'm from Southern California. I went to school in Southern California. Uh, The beach is a 30 minute drive. So we wake up and they're like, let's go to the beach for the morning. We'll grab lunch and then we'll come back. We'll hit homework hard for the night. I literally had to take a moment by myself and be like, the plan for the day is changing. That's okay. You're gonna have fun with your friends. The homework will get done. Sunday is still a thing. It is okay. Had to talk myself into change. All that to say, change is hard for me. And the point I'm trying to make here is that there are different seasons of life that we're gonna live in. And because of that, change is inevitable. If something is different, it means something has changed, right? Excitement and thankfulness will happen you will go through times of frustration and confusion. See, we long for the beauty that comes with growth and yet we struggle through the actual process of change. But every season has a purpose and every season has a part to play in the bigger story of our lives. The good seasons and the hard seasons, they all have a purpose in the greater story of our life. And tonight we're talking about seeking God first in every season. So let's go ahead and read Ecclesiastes three verses one through seven together. It says, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing, a time to search and a time to count as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to be silent and a time to speak, So basically, this tells us there is a different season for every part of life. There's a different time for everything that you walk through. Now, chances are, if we had the choice, we would map out the seasons of our life, right? Like, if you could choose what your life looked like, you'd probably choose. I mean, I would choose what my life would look like, and I would probably choose the seasons and the experiences that make me feel the most alive, that I am laughing a lot through. I feel like I have such a solid community. Take a minute and think about a time in your life where you felt the most alive. You're just like, this is when life was awesome. Now, we probably wouldn't choose the Susans, where we feel alone and anxious or frustrated and stressed out if we had the choice to map out the seasons of our life. Think about a season in your life when you have felt alone or frustrated or stressed out or anxious. So now that we have both of those seasons, you see that we walk through different seasons of life. To completely ignore and bypass those times that we feel that way, the times of loss and the times of sadness and the times of trying to figure it out, if we just skipped over that, we would completely rob ourselves of growth. We would be robbed of the understanding that God is with us on the mountaintops and he is with us in the valleys. Now, no one likes those seasons while you're in the middle of them, right? Who really enjoys feeling alone alone? Literally nobody, nobody likes to feel like it's the world versus them. It's not fun to be in the middle of those seasons. But when you look back on that season after the Lord has brought you out of it, the realization that we were created with a deep inward desire for something more actually hits you. The idea that I'm actually longing for a life with a Savior that comforts me that provides for me, that fully knows me and fully loves me, that becomes reality in those seasons, in those moments. For people who seek God first in everything, every season becomes an opportunity to know him deeper. Now, when we're talking about seeking him first in every season, we can't just add seeking God to the top of our priority list, right? I think that, Pastor Joel on the video said something similar to this. We can't just add, okay, I'm gonna leave camp and seeking God is gonna be in my priority list or seeking God is gonna be at the top of our priority list. That's not enough. We have to seek him first in everything that's already on our priority list. In every single thing, we have to seek him first. Seek him first on your sports teams. Seek him first at home. Seek him first when you're hanging out with your friends. That's what he's worthy of. So what does seeking God first in every season actually look like? How can we move forward into action now that we know, okay, it's session three, I know I have to seek God first. I get it. How do I put it to action? Let's talk about first seeking God in the good seasons. I don't think that I'd be alone in saying seeking God first in the good seasons always feels easier than when we're in the hard seasons, right, it's like I can raise my hands higher because life is greater, I can clap along to the song or I'm praying for other people, I'm feeling like I can journal, like I want to journal a little bit You just feel lighter when life is going on. You don't feel weighed down by everything. You're like, everything's just great. So it can feel easier, but I also don't think I'd be alone in saying that when I'm on the mountaintop, when life feels like it's going really awesome, I sometimes forget to praise him. I forget to thank him for the fact that I'm on the mountaintop in the first place. I forget to thank him for the fact that he so deeply cares for me that he's still with me on the mountaintop. I sometimes forget to seek him first in my every day. In Luke nine, something called the transfiguration of Jesus takes place. And three of his disciples are the only ones that get to experience it. What happens in this moment is he takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain with him. They naturally fall asleep, which they're very good at doing because it happens later, the night before Jesus is crucified. So they fall asleep, and Jesus, as Jesus, in very Jesus fashion, begins to pray because he just wants to spend time with his father. In verse 29, it says, As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became a dazzling white Elijah and Moses, men from the Old Testament, that God had significantly used centuries before, they then appear before Jesus, and they begin talking about what's to come. The disciples woke up, and imagine this, they fell asleep, and they're just hanging out with Jesus while he's praying. They wake up, And they find Jesus, it says in the Bible, his appearance changed, his clothes were glowing white. So I just picture like Jesus kind of looking like a giant neon sign, you know, and he's just glowing. And it's just like, you can't take your eyes off of how beautiful he looks. And then there's Elijah and Moses, who Peter, James, and John have only ever read about. They wake up from their nap and they're like, oh, what's going on right now? Moses and Elijah then leaves. They leave, and God's voice speaks. This passage ends by saying that the disciples were silent. And at that time, they told nobody what they saw. They couldn't even put into words what they were feeling about what they just experienced. Guys, when you're seeking God first on the mountaintop moments of your life, he reveals his glory to you. He reveals how worthy he is to you. He reveals how good he is. When he does that, we become so awestruck. We become so like, I don't even know what to say right now at how worthy he is. If you're sitting here tonight and you wanna know God deeper, seek him first in the good seasons. Seek him first when life feels light and great. The seasons that you feel so close to him already. Seek him deeper and get closer to him. in the seasons that are fun to be in the middle of. We have to remember to seek him first in the good times because when we do, you are guaranteed that you will see his glory. It's not like I might see it. When you seek him first in the good seasons, You will see his glory. You will see his holiness. You will see how amazing he really is. We'll become like those three disciples and our perspective of Jesus will be forever changed and our relationship with him will only run deeper and stronger. Now, I know that there are some people in here who might not feel like they're in a good season right now. You might be sitting there and you're like, All right, Shay, Um, the season I feel like I'm in right now of my life, it actually feels pretty terrible. I don't feel like I'm on a mountaintop with Jesus. So let's go there. How do you seek God first in the hard seasons? Go ahead and turn to our weekend's theme passage, Matthew 6. I think after this weekend, you will never question where Matthew 6 is ever again in your life. When a season changes from a good to a hard one, it's not very fun, right? When a season changes from a hard season to a good season, it's like, oh, thank God we made it out. We're in a good season now. But when you feel like you're in a good season and it changes to a hard one, it's like, oh, I don't like that. That's uncomfortable and that is painful and that hurts me. Like it feels like it all of a sudden, it gets so frustrating. When we enter into a hard season, because we realize, oh, oh, I'm actually not in control of my life. I'm not in control. Is anybody else in here kind of a control freak? You like to be in control of things? I love to be in control, which is really hard. Um, Yeah, I love to be in control. And the Lord constantly telling me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Has literally been my entire life, and it's probably because he knows me better than anybody, so he knows that I am a control freak. I love being able to plan things and depend on what something will look like. I like to control situations in my life as much as I possibly can, and I can't. We have to trust him, and that's the bottom line when we go through seasons that are hard seasons, when we go through seasons that we are not in control. We're gonna go ahead and read Matthew 6, verse 25, all the way down to 33. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adored like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Now, the fact that Jesus is saying, do not worry here is pretty audacious of him. The group of people he was speaking to when he said, don't worry about your, what you're gonna drink, what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna wear, the group of people he was speaking to were fully and completely dependent on the weather for their food and their clothing. So what he's saying is, hey, don't worry about things that are out of your control. Now, if anybody in here has suddenly learned how to control the weather, please let me know because I'd really like to put in for a snow day because we haven't gotten one yet. Yeah, it's really sad, right? I'm like sad about it. But they couldn't control the weather. And he said, hey, don't worry. God knows you need these things. That's controlling the weather. You can't do it. That's out of your control. Trust me. But I can't tell you how many times I've worried about things I, I can't control. Majority of the time I worry, it's actually focused on things I have zero control over. Like, you know, I can't control how tall I am. I can't control that I get pimples. I'm 25 years old and I still get pimples. I'm sorry. It gets better for some people, but some people it doesn't. I can't control what someone thinks about me. I can't control what someone says about me. I can't control if somebody wants to be my friend. I can't control if someone has been my friend and has decided I don't want to be your friend anymore. I can't control the fact that my mother-in-law is fighting her second battle of cancer right now. But what can I do? I can seek God first in the middle of walking through these things. Now, you know what else I find interesting here? In your generation, one of the number one struggles that is faced is anxiety. And that feeling probably especially comes out when you're in a hard season. You might feel a little extra anxious when life is harder. But I want you to look back in your Bible and I want you to look at what the title of this whole passage is. It's called The Cure for Anxiety. This whole passage is titled The Cure for Anxiety. Guys, the cure for anxiety is seeking God first. Our world is desperately looking for how to not be anxious How do I not feel depressed anymore? How do I not worry? How do I not get so stressed out and nervous? The cure for anxiety is seeking God first in everything. And when we seek him first, Jesus literally says, all these things will be added to you. And Pastor Brandon alluded to this last night, but what are the things that will be added to you if I seek God first when I feel like this? we're gonna be able to rest in the fact that he will provide for you. We'll understand how deep his love actually does run for us. You will walk in the fulfillment of his purpose for your life. Not only will you know his purpose for your life, you'll walk in the fulfillment of his purpose for your life. And the purpose he has for your life is the purpose he only has for your life. And you gain relationship with him that is so much sweeter than it was the day before. We have access to all of these things in the middle of the valleys that we walk through, but we have to commit to the work in actually taking hold of those things. When Jesus says here, do not worry about your life, He actually means don't worry. And when he says this, it's different than when friends or family say something like this. You know, we have those people in our lives that are like, hey, don't worry. It's all going to work out. Or don't worry. It's going to be okay. Or hey, everything's, it's okay. Everything's coming up roses. But then Jesus tells us not to worry. And it's not just a command for us to give worries and anxieties and frustrations to him. Don't worry is an invitation to freedom from those things. When Jesus says don't worry, he's inviting you to freedom from anxiety. He's inviting you to freedom from feeling alone. He's inviting you to freedom from frustration and confusion. But it's not simply an invitation that we RSVP back to saying, okay, yes, I am RSVPing. Yes, I will not worry. It is something we have to work towards. In verse 26, the Lord's trying to prove his point even further by mentioning the birds of the sky. He says, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? I read this quote the other day that actually shook me. It's about this verse and it said, the birds don't worry, but they do work. They don't just sit around with open mouths expecting God to fill them. How many of us can relate to that? I'm just sitting here and I expect you to fill me, God, but I don't actually trust you, but I expect you to do something in my life, right? We came to camp just expecting him to do something when we haven't actually been giving our worries and cares to him all the way yet. We've just sat here and we just expect him to do things while we sit around. Now, don't get me wrong. He's God, and God is gonna move when God wants to move. But seeking him first in hard seasons and giving him our worries, it's hard work. But it is work that is so far worth it. It is far more worth it than I can even explain to you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares on him because he cares about you. I've shared this story with our youth group a couple of times. They might be a little sick of hearing it, but I'm going to share it again. So in 1 Peter, um, Peter was a fisherman. We all know this, right? Peter was a fisherman. And if you didn't, now you know Peter was a fisherman. And, you know, back in Bible days, they didn't have fishing poles. That was not a thing. You didn't just cast real one in you had these huge nets that were made with heavy rope. And so when Peter writes, cast all your cares on him because he cares about you, he is trying to put it into words that other fishermen can relate to. Because when you fished back then, you had to literally like gather up the whole net. And these things are huge, you guys, because this was their job. This is what they did for a living. So you have to gather up the entire net. Get the strength to pick the whole thing up and throw it as far away from their boat as they possibly can to get as much return. Casting your cares on him is, is like that. We have to gather up all of our worries, all of the things that make us feel anxious, all the things that frustrate us and make us feel stressed out and the confusing things. We have to gather it all up and it's not like, you know, when you throw your phone on your bed, or like you throw a water bottle to your dad or something, you're throwing this and you literally like throw it as far away from you as you can possibly get it and let Jesus take it because he cares for you, because he so deeply loves you. It's kind of like trying to break a bad habit. Like, I crack my knuckles. I've cracked my knuckles, I just heard some knuckle cracks. Don't do it, don't do it, it's bad for you. No, you guys, you're missing the point. I'm literally talking about breaking bad habits and you're giving into your bad habits. No, Jesus. Okay, I've cracked my knuckles since I was three. And can I tell you guys something that I actually felt really convicted about? I was sitting down writing this message And as I'm writing this part, I pause to gather my thoughts and I crack my knuckles. And the Holy Spirit was like, see, you have a hard time breaking bad habits too, whether it's cracking your knuckles or casting your cares on me. Your anxiety and your worry and your frustration and your stress is not yours to carry. That's why I went to the cross, so that you wouldn't carry it anymore. Cracking my knuckles is a really hard habit to break. I have tried lots of times and I am still, still trying. But I've got to be willing to put in the work to realize I don't want big knuckles. I don't want my hands to hurt when I get older. I've got to realize that breaking this habit will ultimately result in what I actually want. Breaking the habit of worrying by seeking God first will ultimately cure anxiety. It will help us focus on him and it will give us a zeal for life like we've never had before. Life will become so full of color. The bottom line here is we have to be willing to trade habit in for passion. We have to trade the habit of carrying all this stuff in for the passion of seeking God first. You know, the worry and anxiety we might feel in hard seasons of life, I believe that they stem from a low understanding of how valuable we really are to God. We don't really understand our value. We don't understand how much we actually mean to him. And when we're seeking Him first in every season of life, we have to understand how much He loves us. Guys, He loves you. When He created the world, He looked at everything and said it was good, but it wasn't until humans were created that He said, This is very good. This is very good. We are His most treasured creation. You are his most favorite thing that he has ever spoken into existence. When we seek God first in the hard seasons, he reveals his loving kindness to us. He comforts us. He shows us how gracious he is, how gentle he is. Seeking him first in every season of your life is a choice that only you can make. Have you ever heard the phrase, you can only want it so much for somebody until they want it for themselves? Yeah, that's good. I can only want you to seek God first so much for yourself until you actually decide, I am going to seek God first in everything and every season of my life. That choice is completely up to you. People can come alongside you and encourage you to do it all day long, but only you can decide to put in the work and seek Him in the mountaintops and in the valleys, in the good seasons and the hard seasons. There's a big part of seeking God first in every moment and every season that we actually have to let go of ourselves. Paul explains it as dying to ourselves or dying to our flesh. John the Baptist, the Baptist explains it as he must, I must increase or I must decrease, and he must increase. Basically, what they're saying is Jesus, less of me and more of you. Guys, when people see me, when people have a cup of coffee with me when I meet somebody for the first time I don't want them to see Shay I want them to see Jesus I don't want them to be like wow she's a really nice girl I want them to say something's different about her she seems like she really loves who she is and she really loves me and she really loves her life We have to die to ourselves. We have to want Jesus to become so wrapped up in who we are that that's who we are, is his. The real goal of seeking God first, it's to become more like Jesus. It's to look less like yourself. It's to look less like the world. It's to look less like the things that hold us back and more like Jesus, more like the one who created us in his image. When you seek God first, you will walk into welcoming each new season, knowing that in the midst of it, you will discover more about the one who is sovereign over every moment of your life. Now here's a little bit of a caveat, Hebrews 13, eight, says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means he's never changed. And that means he's never going to change. That means he will always love you. He can't love you anymore and he can't love you any less than he has forever. That means he's always gonna comfort you. He's never gonna stop. It means he's always gonna pursue you. He's always gonna chase after you. He's always gonna remind you who you are, who he created you to be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are always gonna have a hard time with change. But it's because we were created for way more than these momentary experiences and temporary pleasures than short-lived victories we are created for more than good feelings so how can you actually navigate your ever changing seasons of life by seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness by seeking first the one that never changes <laughs> We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.